listeners, and welcome to episode 88 of Push to Plat. Look, it feels like a good day for it, and we're in for a treat today. We have the number one gamer score holder from New Zealand, the number one Xbox gamer, if you like. He's a Hall of Famer. He has a massive true achievement score. He's also a host on the Real Gamer Score podcast. Now, I know we're getting a bit of Xbox love up in here at the moment, but there is still plenty of PlayStation goodness in the episode today. We're going to talk many crossover games and the topic we'll be focusing on is the massive multiplayer game that's right the mmo that is not final fantasy 14 it is of course Neverwinter. now this game also available on the playstation it has two stacks i believe a hong kong stack and a rest of the world stack and plenty of ultra rare trophies if that sort of thing interests you so we're going to get the lowdown on that game as well today but it is my pleasure today to introduce and welcome to push to plat neo master how are you today sir i'm doing well thank you very much for having me on the show no, not at all. So look, we've got to we've got to throw it out there to start off with. Have you ever played PlayStation? Do you play a little bit of PlayStation at all? Well, actually, the original PlayStation was the first console I ever owned. So mm-hmm. I, I got into gaming quite late in life. I mean, well, I mean, late as a child, I should say, uh, where you know a lot of kids had you know NESs or SNESs. Um, I, my first console was the PlayStation, and I got it uh, basically right before the PlayStation Two came out. I think I, my dad got it cheap. Um, and you know, a couple of my mates had one and I really got into it. Uh, and then, so I went straight from that to the PlayStation two in the early two thousands. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I played, I played all the exclusives. I played everything. I was, I was a big gamer back then. And then after that, uh, I kind of got into the, the achievement thing kind of brought me over to the, uh, to the three sixty Xbox side of stuff. Um, because at, at the time, at the time trophies weren't a thing. Yeah, yeah, I see this. You sort of move you across around two thousand and eleven. So you haven't been tempted to dip your, your dip your fingers back in. You, you're, you're firmly converted now to the Xbox side. Um, I mean, that's not to say that there aren't things on there that I'd, I'd want to play on the PlayStation console. Like the like hands down, the play, PlayStation and Sony have the much better exclusives. A lot of stuff on there that I'm really interested in. Um, but with the amount of investment that I put into the Xbox system. It's uh, it's, it's kind of hard to break that these days. So, uh, and, and most of the stuff that I am interested in is cross-platform, thankfully, uh, especially now with with stuff coming to Steam and, and with uh, the Windows Store expanding out a bit more. Mm. Um, that you can either play it on, on the Xbox or, or, the, or the PC. Um, but there are those exclusives. So I, I am tempted sometimes, but it's just really a matter of time, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Look. No. Look. I I totally understand. So let let's swing that way. Now, I do warn you, listeners. Neo Master's a host of a podcast, so it's a bit weird being in the other chair where you're not actually driving the action forward, isn't it, sir? Oh, a, a little bit, but you know, I'm more than happy to go with whatever you throw at me. Well, look, that's exactly how this how this show works. So, look, why don't we jump in? You do have 1.5 million gamer score. Now, when we were talking the other night, I didn't realize you've, as you said, you've been around since you know the beginning of achievements, or, or you know, early on in the achievement cycle. You've been playing. I think this is fair to say. Correct me if you don't like the terminology. You've been playing fairly hardcore for the last 10 years. Yeah, roughly or so. I mean, it was. Yeah, I would say so. I'm like, I, I, so I like, I, I earned my first achievement. I, you know, not not to go too far back into history, but I got my first Xbox uh, from my first paycheck of my first ever summer job. I spent the entirety of it on a used Xbox and a copy of Gears of War, <laughs> and I, I earned my first achievement on the seventh of the seventh of the seventh. That's fantastic. Uh, 
So yeah, so that, that's always been a very important day for me. Uh, and I, I thought it was quite fitting. I, it wasn't intentional, just that's just kind of how it worked out. Uh, and so I, I was really interested in the achievement system immediately. And so I started getting into it, but I didn't really start getting into the really hardcore trying to move up leaderboards kind of stuff until, yeah, for about the last sort of 10 years. Yeah, that's cool. So look, 10 years is a long time, you know, like we see a lot of people definitely on the PlayStation side, but I'm sure it's the same on, on the Xbox side too. A lot of people come in, they hit pretty hard early on, you know, or at some point, and then they sort of die away. They're sort of, they're sort of done to sustain that amount of time gaming. And I know we always hear these people like, oh, you know, I would play the games if the achievements didn't exist, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I understand that. But what has driven you forward? Because 10 years of achievement hunting and whatever you say, it's pretty hard hardcore because i've looked at your graph from 2011 until today it's always upwardly increasing you haven't had any major dips in there so what's pushed you on that whole time um it uh, i'm not actually sure like I, I think it's a combination of things as most as most motivations are uh, part of it is that, like i just love video games to start with mm. like it, it is it, in my opinion i think it's probably the greatest hobby on earth in terms of versatility in terms of community in terms of competitiveness, uh, in, in terms of artistic expression, it has all of the things. It has all the best and worst parts of, of, of everything that people do, mm. in my opinion. And, and that's always been the thing, first and foremost, uh, is that like I've just loved video games. And even before the achievement system, like I played way too much of the PlayStation 1 and 2 before achievements were even a thing. I was always a big completionist. I always tried to finish as many games as possible. Um, I mean, like, I'm not not to say that I haven't I haven't hit slumps. You know, I haven't run into stuff where I'm like, you know, like I look at my collection of games that I have, and I'm like, you know, I don't want to play any of these. Why do I do this? Uh, you know, it's 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 not always up, but uh, part of it is it's it's just such a big part of my life and a big part of my community. And now that you know, I have a, a podcast that that I host, uh, and and a, and a big part of a community that I work, a couple of achievement hunting communities that that I'm part of, um, and those those common interests and and being able to be part of those and, you know, play games with people, but also help people. You know, I've, I've been, like you said, I've been doing this for a long time. I've, I've gathered a lot of experience over, you know, what games are good, what games are difficult, you know, what, how, what my opinions are about these kinds of stuff. And people actually come to me and ask questions about games that I played years ago. Uh, and, you know, I'm not always able to remember because there are quite a few of them, but it, it is really a nice feeling to be able to support people who are, you know, on, in different parts of their achievement hunting sort of journey. Yeah, I, I like it's almost like a mentor, isn't it? You know, like you, you can see all the pitfalls that are about to fall down. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and look, you know, I'm I'm not by any means the greatest gamer of all time. You know, like I like I've got there's certain stuff where I am and I'm sure was uh, one of my co-hosts, Cameron, would, would tell you that, like, I, I should never be put behind the wheel of a racing game and no one should ever take my opinions on those seriously ever. Uh, because like I, I just I just don't have the skill for that kind of stuff. But um, but yeah, like I, I, I try to, I find myself moving more into that mental position as the years have gone on, just in that, that I've just been doing this for longer than most people. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I'm going to pick you up there because you made this wonderful comment the other night on your uh, podcast there, and I hadn't never considered it before, but it's, it's perfect comment really. And you describe yourself as an endurance gamer, not a skilled gamer. I, I really like that. I have a feeling that there's many high-level trophy hunters and achievement hunters that, that probably fit under this category. But are you was that in jest or are you quite serious about that, that it's more a war of attrition than skill? Like you must have a fair bit of skill. I mean, I, I've it's, it's kind of mm, – it's a hard one. Like I, I, it is partially in jest because I, I definitely have picked up some skills in video games in, in, in the way that 
playing a wide variety of games gives you a, a level of adaptability to be able to jump between genres and understand mechanics uh, and, you know, be able to understand shortcuts and quick and systems and patterns and things like that. And it's something that I've always been relatively good with, even in my, my day-to-day life. In terms, the problem is that, you know, when you play, you know, 1700 games over the last, you know, 13 years, you you never you never play one thing long enough to really develop a skill set for that one particular game. So games with that have high skill ceilings, things like character action games, uh, like like say like Devil May Cry, um, things like uh, I mean in multiplayer stuff. Like I'm not I'm okay like I, I'm okay at say like single player shooters, but anything that involves competition or multiplayer or you know getting really good at Twitch gaming. Uh, and then like fighting games and driving, like I just don't really have, and driving is kind of iffy, but fighting games I'm particularly bad at in terms of, you know, remembering commands, having good timing. A lot of that is about understanding understanding the way characters are and really getting a feel for them and, and spending a lot of time with them. Whereas just like, I don't spend a lot of time with any game if I can help it because I just don't have it. <laughs> I like that. So is it fair to say, this? now this is a question, this is a purely selfish question here, Nia, so you have to indulge it. But, uh, you know, we're, we, have a, we have a similar points tally on different systems, although perhaps I acquired my through five-minute games as, you, as opposed to you that plays the whole catalogue or whatever. But do you feel this drive when you're playing, you know, you've sort of alluded to it already, that time is the currency. If this is taking too long, I, I could be on to another game. Do you feel that sort of pushing you forward almost and therefore are you the dreaded cutscene skipper i suppose oh see look yeah i don't so so and not to bring up too many of my co-hosts but kirby <laughs> uh the chin chin doctor uh previous host of, of the uh, real game school podcast he is a notorious cutscene cutscene skipper and him and i have butted heads on this many times mm. uh, to answer your question yes and no i think time is a currency but the thing is is that i i happen to be in a relatively good position uh, in terms of i'm I'm quite time rich for the most part in terms of i i work from home um i don't have a huge amount of other responsibilities uh you know like i don't have children uh, i do have a fiance but uh but she puts up with this i god knows why uh and you know it's not like, yes, t- time is definitely important. And I always take that into consideration when choosing a game. Mm. But I'm like, if a game grabs me, I'm not afraid to put in 25 to 100 hours, depending on what it is. You know, like I've, I have started things like Dragon's Dogma and, you know, like I, I love JRPGs. Uh, I wish I had more time to play them. Again, the thing is that most of what I play these days is shorter games. However, uh, listeners of, of, of the Real Game Score podcast will know that I put it on myself to not buy a single game in 2020 was was that my, my New Year's resolution. Um, I bought about 10 of them, so I didn't quite hit what I was after, but that was that was a, a drop in the bucket compared to what I used to buy. If you look at my tag, for example, you know, I bought most of those games that are on there over the last few years. I would, you know, go into a sale, look for anything that was uh, low ratio, easy achievements, short gameplay, uh, and just pick it up no matter what the sale was, even if it was 20% off. And so me changing that mindset uh, has also changed how I view games in terms of, well, it's, I'm not on the treadmill anymore. You know, I'm not just buying games, adding them to my collection, never playing them. So, you know, I, I don't, when I look at like a 25 hour game, I think, oh, you know, that's fine. Like it, it, it's, it has to get done at some stage. It's on, it's on my backlog. It's in my list. I have to do it. I might as well do it now. I don't have to do all of it now, but I'm probably going to just because of the way I play games. Um, so for example, like I'm playing through, uh, Plague Tale Innocence, 
on the uh, the Windows 10 version. I've already done the Xbox One version, uh, you know, when it came out a couple of years ago. Uh, that that's a you know fifteen to twenty hour completion. Um, I but I love it. Um, I I am skipping the cutscenes this time, but normally I wouldn't because I, I I am actually there for the game most of the time. But the, the, there is definitely a distinction between what's what's a what's an achievement game and what's a, what's an actual a gameplay game. If that makes sense, yeah, no, that that makes total sense, and I, I just want to pursue this line a little bit, if it's okay with you. Forget if, if you don't want to go down this this route. By all no, means, go for it. by all means, tell me. But I'm really interested because you you know you are the number one gamer in New Zealand. You recently were inducted into the Hall of Fame for being the number one gamer in New Zealand. That's that's correct, isn't it? Yeah, I, I won the the Xbox Hall of Fame competition. I, I mm-hmm. came first in the. Uh, gamer score and uh, achievement total achievements for for New Zealand. Yes, look, I'm almost thinking of renaming this podcast just the interviewing the Hall of Famers. You know, perhaps Microsoft will, will throw me some love, maybe even a little trophy for me because I'm never going to get one over on this side. But but what I what I wanted to ask about this is 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 it obviously getting to number one was was great. It's fantastic. It's important. Is staying there important to you now, or does it not matter? Not really. I mean, to be fair, my, my goal was never to be number one. That that was never the real consideration. The, the, the leaderboards themselves, it's, it's a nice to have. Uh, in, in the same way that having a gamer score of 1.5 million is is like, it's nice. Like I like it. And I'm, and you know, I've, I've, it's a, it's a good show of how hard I've worked on these games over the years. But really my, my goal has just been to complete as many games as possible and to just wring as much out of all of them as I can. And the, the best way for me to do that in my, in my mind, at least, in a, in a way that the, you know hits the dopamine switch, <laughs> is is to complete all the achievements in it. So, I mean, if if the games are all worth two hundred points rather than a thousand, it doesn't really bother me. I don't pick things because they have high ratio or low ratios, or they you know have not many people have completed them or whatever. I, I just pick the games that I want to play for the most part uh, because I want to play them, and the everything else is is a nice to have. Yeah, I like that. I mean, this is sort of harking back to what we were talking about the other night a little bit. But the longer you do this, you, you know, if you're if you're just playing for the score, you you will burn out. That's what always seems to happen, or whatever. But if you're just playing what you want to play, and and you know, as you said, you you keep up a pace because you're playing what you want to play as well. And I'm sure there's a few things in there that are a grind or whatever else. You know, perhaps not the most fun, but it just leads to having these massive scores, I think, and and continuing on. So no, I totally, I totally understand that. We've we've hit the. The thing that interests me the most about you is that you are a completionist and you have a very, you know, you do, as we said, you have a very high score on the PlayStation side. There's only a handful of what we'd call completionists in the top, you know, top 50 or so in the world. Most of those are completionists because they only play the easy short games. They'll avoid playing anything of, of, of substance, you know, or not, I shouldn't say substance, but anything of, of substantial length. Although going through your card, it looks like you'll basically play anything. So do you have like a favorite genre or or do you just you just enjoy everything? Yeah, I, I, I've been asked it a few times, and it is a bit of a tricky question. I, I don't really have a favorite as such. I mean, to put it in perspective, if people ask me, "Oh, what, what's your favorite game or what's your favorite series?" Like, I usually default to something like Dark Souls, in terms of has a good achievement list, has a reasonable level of difficulty, is a good length of a game, uh, has an interesting narrative. Like, it, it's sort of the original Dark Souls, in my opinion, is kind of almost the perfect video game in terms of everything that I look for in a video game. Mm. Um, not not to say that it's overly difficult. I mean, I know that, that that's sort of their tagline, but uh, so I, I do quite like the sort of, um, I'm definitely uh, probably RPGs are probably one of my favorites. Um, I, I like the sort of standard action adventure 
Um, but I also, I'm also big into narrative. Like narrative is, it's been, I'm much more of a narrative over gameplay kind of guy. I mean, like, you know, I, I love a good a game that, that plays well, something like, um, something like a Dark Souls or a Metal Gear Solid 5, for example, is, is a classic example of, of amazing gameplay with not as great story. But I would say like, you know, my one of my favorites would be say Metal Gear Solid 3, for example, which has, which has much rougher controls, but I preferred the narrative for it. Uh, and also that includes things like visual novels and things like that. Although I don't play too many of them because most of them don't have achievements. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, we are so opposite in the way we game. It's just amazing, sir. <laughs> I think, you know, as I sort of alluded to last week when we spoke to Cameron, I mean, he and I are very similar or whatever else. And, you know, we're, we're, we're playing our way through 5% of the whole library. I think that's the aim or something bizarre. So I do have a lot of, a lot of respect for what you're doing. Now we will, we will jump over shortly listeners to what Neo has been playing. Cause there's a couple here that I see, including a racing game, sir, that I intend to, I intend to ask you about. And then I'm going to give you a little warning here just so you know that it's coming i wasn't sure what we'd sort of focus on today listeners because in the episode the other night we covered so many so many things on the real gamer score and as i said i didn't want to come back to that stuff so what i thought with your permission so is we might talk after we've talked what you've been playing we might spend a little time on never winter i know that it's a long-term passion of yours i can see here of about four or five years yeah, let's, passion is one way to put it, but no, I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk about Neverwinter. Good. So let, let's put a pin in that and we'll come to it. But first off, let's go over to what you've been playing. Now, the other night you talked about Resident Evil, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Resident Evil 3, the Japanese stack. Was that correct? Yes, it was. So look, I've got to ask you, are you a massive Resident Evil uh, fan? Are, are you playing all of them or have you played them all? I, I played quite a few of them. Uh, <sighs> Resident Evil was one of those, uh, especially the older ones, I'll start, uh, you start getting into that skill-based gameplay where it's, okay, I need to know how many bullets it takes to take down a zombie because I don't have that many. The survival horror genre is something that I quite enjoy, but I'm also not not terribly good at. Uh, something like that, or the more action side of things, it gets a little tricky. But so, for example, I've played through you know, Resident Evil's 4, 5, and 6. Um, I played, played quite a bit of 7. I played Revelations. I uh, played three, the remake, uh, but I haven't played two or I haven't, and I haven't played one or zero, the, the remakes they did of those. Okay. Now I've got to ask then, you know, as a, as a trophy hunter to an achievement hunter <clears throat> or perhaps as well, why the Japanese stack? Um, well, because it was there basically. Uh, I, it's uh, <laughs> like, I actually quite enjoy playing through Resident Evil three. Uh, it was one of the few games that I, um, that I played that was from 2020. Uh, I, I didn't buy it. I rented it, but um, it, yeah. And, and it's a relatively easy game. It's, pretty enjoyable but i mean if like if you look at ratios you're looking at like 1.1 to 1.3 uh which is deceptively low because it is there is definitely still some challenge in it but uh, yeah like i and like i quite like the again it was it was a short game and you know you get a rocket launch and you get to blow things up so it, it was quite quite enjoyable and i i like the i like the idea of what capcom's done with those remakes where they, they've taken original games that were impenetrable to say the least in terms of you know tank controls and the graphics are kind of rough and, and but but gotten what what was really sort of uh, appealing about those games to people and sort of modernized them in a way that hasn't lost the spirit of the originals. Yeah, I like that. Okay, now look, look, I like the idea of playing Resident Evil, but then especially the early ones, as you said, with the tank controls, it just it just irritates the fuck out of me. I see you're playing four at the moment. Is this the first time you've played four? Uh, so yeah, I um no, I've played I so I played four a few times. Uh, so four, I think. Resident Evil 4 also rivals Skyrim in terms of the number of re-releases they've had over the years. Uh, I played the original on the GameCube, actually, uh, where, where, it was, where it originally came out. 
fantastic game. Loved it to bits. Also scared the hell out of me. I was much too young to be playing that. But it was such such a great game, uh, especially the, the beginning. I was like the, the village, the first the first act of the game is just so incredible in terms of atmosphere and, you know, just making you feel isolated, but also moving it away from the sort of claustrophobic feeling that you would have in, say, the original Resident Evil's were in a mansion or, you know, on the city streets. But so I would say, so I played it, that one. I, I've done the 360 version and now I'm doing the Xbox One version uh, for Warboats, which is a true achievements competition. Yes. Okay, good. Now, look, I'm going to have to ask you this because there's no way in hell I'm ever going to finish this. And I suppose it's spoilers because, you know, whatever, it's an ancient game. If you haven't finished it, you probably never are either. I believe this is the one with the president's daughter. I think that's right. I think I got that far all all three minutes into it. Do you save her in the end or not? I need to know. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I was was joking about this, uh, actually, because I I just finished the last boss just before we started recording, actually. and uh, yeah, I was I was joking to someone. I was like, "Oh, look, I've just I've just shot a rocket launcher at the at the final boss. I've escaped. You escape the uh, you you escape the, the island, which is now blowing up for some reason mm. um, on on the back of a jet ski. And then the uh, the president's daughter propositions propositions you for sex, which you turn down. So it's it's in a very interesting game. The Japanese have a very interesting way of uh, of, of interpreting American culture. I have to say, uh, it's yeah, it's it, it's it, the game is pretty by the numbers, but thinking back on when it came out as compared to you know resident evil 3 for example it was a huge change and that over the shoulder camera sort of uh, style of shooter i mean basically pioneered things like gears of war and and so many other games after that um so it it really is the godfather of those things in in a lot of ways uh i mean you you can't shoot while you can't walk while you're shooting which is still one of those things that i'm glad they changed up in the later games but you can still see the DNA of, of so much of the of what happened in the industry over the next 10 years. Yeah, I like that. And there you go, listeners. You can't say we don't talk Resident Evil. That is your quota for the year because there's sure as hell no way I'm going to be playing any more of them this year, I think. But I do, I do, I do like listening to them. Now, I want to ask you about one more and then I'll get you to throw some out. Mattis Burn Racing. I've played this game <clears throat> twice with the Japanese stack. <laughs> How are you finding it? And you, you've already admitted you're not a racing fan. So, so why this game? Yeah, look again. It's one of those ones that I wish I hadn't played, to be honest. Um, anyone who's look who can see the tag, see that I do not have a couple of the discontinued achievements, which is a real bugbear of mine because it means that I will no longer be able to finish that game. I also had no idea that the online servers were going down, but apparently no one did. So I was just very, very unlucky. Mm. Um, I was, I really wasn't playing it for very much. I, I had again war boats. One of the achievements that I needed was on there. Turned out not to be a hit, unfortunately. But uh, I figured I'd go for it and get it out of the way. But I really have not been playing too much of it. I have played a bit of it in the past. I got about maybe halfway through it. But it really, yeah, it's really kind of pushing me in a way that I'm not super enjoying. Uh, in terms of racing games, you know, I'm like, even even for racing games, that's kind of a weird one of what the, you know, interesting perspective and kind of the RC Pro-Am style uh, over the top, which I'm really not a fan of, to be honest. Oh. It's so funny you mention that because I just had a flashback to my youth then. <laughs> See, they were they were fantastic games. It's a funny game. I'm just looking here. Yeah, you got the DLC as well. When it launched, it was actually quite an easy plat or I suppose completion for you guys. But with that DLC that dropped, meaning you needed to actually finish everything. And I'll, I'll never forget, maybe I didn't know the servers were down, but there was a, 
as a trophy or achievement in this game. And I think uh, it's in the ballpark. You needed to beat someone that was either 20 or 40 levels higher than you. I, I can't remember which one it was. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. And of course, if you if you played this at launch, there was nobody that was 20 or 40 levels ahead of you unless you, you knew someone. And there was only a handful of us or in my group playing it. So we all had to, someone had to run up the second character and then and sort of do it like with the second account on that. I remember that game well, but. Yeah, I was, I'm. I'm sorry to hear you're not you're not finding it that great. Uh, it, it it is what it is, and like I, it wasn't quite what I expected going into it. I was expecting more of a sort of traditional racing game. I, it was one of those again, one of those ones that I just bought on a sale that was you know I think it was like ninety percent off or something ridiculously cheap. So I was like, oh yeah, it looks interesting. The achievements don't look too bad. This was again before the DLC. Uh, and so I'd, I'd planned on just completing it and being done with it, but uh, it just never happened. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Now, what is this? I saw you playing this uh, probably the other week or something, and you know it intrigued me, but then I couldn't figure out how to find it on the store, so I just gave up. This Darwinia, is it, or Darwinia uh, Plus? Ah, uh, Darwinia. Yes. So, so, so Darwinia is a, an RTS, actually, technically. It, it's a very interesting RTS that's based on very sort of uh, vector-style greens and and uh you know think think like um think like classics you know 70s and 80s monitors style of game where it's very low res you essentially are pulled into a computer and you have to help you there is a there's a doctor there who said oh look i have this i have created life on a computer but there's also you know some of it's become corrupted and trying to destroy my system so i need you to go around and clean up uh, basically just you know destroy these viruses with these uh these darwinians move them around, command them, um, get upgrades, that kind of stuff. It's a very sort of basic RTS that I've been enjoying quite a bit, but it's one of those, uh, it's one of my dreaded non-backwards compatible 360 games of which I have a, a short list of games that are that are not compatible with the new con- new consoles from the Xbox One on- onwards. Mm. So they have to be completed on the 360. And until I finish them, I won't be able to pack away my... Uh, my ancient machine that I've got sitting here in front of me. Is it, it's, uh, it's not an original though, is it? Uh, surely. No, it, it is, it is not that, that was, uh, that got the red ring many years ago, but it is, um, it's one of the, the second, it's the Jasper. So oh, it was wow. the, the second release that they did. Yeah, it's doing well. Then. So I've, I've had it for a long yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm impressed that you can go back because uh, through our Patreon, the listeners, <laughs> they'll be laughing now. They can set a game for me to play or whatever. And some, you know, banana set uh, deadly premonition. I'm not sure if you played it. It's a horrific game. Oh, I, I, oh are you kidding me? I love deadly. Deadly oh. premonition is one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly janky. <laughs> Oh, no, it's ab- absolutely, it, it is th- like that, that is like when, when, you know, I was talking about how narrative over gameplay, that is the almost the number blessed poster child for that. Yeah. Whereas the story in that game is so interesting and strange and, and can only come out of the mind of a madman. But the gameplay is just incredibly bad. <laughs> it's so funny you're passionate about that game because I looked at it on the Xbox and I, now you correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think on the, the Xbox One with backwards compatibility, it was only the, the main Deadly Premonition. It wasn't the director's cut, which is an easier completion, I'm told. Yeah, so the, the, the director's cut never actually came out for the Xbox. I believe that was a PlayStation ah, exclusive. So uh, yeah, the, yes. the the original the the game itself on the Xbox is a relatively simple completion. The only issue with it is that you have to play through it three times because the difficulties don't stack. Mm. So you have to play through hard, normal, and normal and easy. 
Um, which which is a little bit of a drag, especially for a game where the narrative is the key thing and you have to experience it three times in a row. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it, well, that that was the the reason that I wanted the director's cut. But of course, director's cut is only on the PS3, and I haven't touched that thing in years. And so I put it on, and it just died. It, it wasn't going to happen or whatever else. And I, I considered playing it on the Xbox, but I didn't consider playing it three times. And so now it's on the PC because you you can get that version on the PC. So I'm chipping away at it, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe I'm maybe I'm missing <laughs> maybe I'm missing the thrill of it at the moment. But I'll I'll get into it. But look, we 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 oh, on deviation. <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought there, listeners. I'm just scared of that game. I think so. <laughs> uh, anyway, it, it will it will it will come back to me. But uh, so Darwinia RTS games. This is interesting. Is this a genre you play much of? Not really. It's a genre that it's one of those genres that I actually quite like, but I'm bad at. So, so fighting games, I don't like it. I'm bad at driving games. I don't like it. I'm bad at, but RTS, I absolutely love, but I'm also shockingly terrible at in terms of micromanaging units uh, and trying to come up with, you know, good build compositions. I, I tend to be more in the command and conquer side of things where it's build 50 tanks and just roll them over the enemy base and just hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, so, so not so much strategy is just, again, war of attrition. Yeah. It, it, it's so funny this came up because, as I said, I didn't know this game or whatever. But at the moment, I'm playing Igus Rim, uh, the 13 Sentinels game, which... Oh, yes. It's a fantastic game. And it's sort of half visual novel, but half RTS. And look, there might be other games in this visual novel category that are like this, but I've never played one. It's it's the first time I, I've played something like this. Now, I don't think it's unfortunately available on the Xbox, but PC or whatever, or, or PlayStation. And uh, I know you have a little interest in visual novels, perhaps down the track if this somehow you know crosses your systems or or even through pc or something it might be worth a look because the the rts in it from what you're saying it's not in this uh, i guess room it's not too complicated because that's what always scares me is that there's so many options there's the grid is you know so so wide and there's all this movement going on it's very fair game or whatever and in the leveling up and it's it's a wonderful like who would have thought it would go well with a visual novel but it, it actually does seem to as well which is just it's fantastic i suppose I, I've been hearing a little bit about it. I believe uh, Giant Bomb was talking about it uh, and I, I heard about it on their podcast. So I, I've looked at a few videos because I'd never heard of it before. And yeah, I was just fascinated by by yeah the sort of interesting mix of, of yeah, art, it was obviously the sort of strategy style tower defense mixed with, mixed with a very intricate visual novel that has a really heavy narrative thread on it. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I don't want to bore you here, but, you know, we'll go down this path, you know, slightly, I suppose, in our listeners, because it's really the only thing I'm playing at the moment. And I think it's definitely one of my favorite games from last year. And I know, you know, Giant Bomb and a lot of the a lot of the sites, IGN as well, hailed it or whatever. Not only is it it's a beautiful game in, in 2D art style or whatever else, but it's not it's fully voiced in English as well, although you you can you know listen in Japanese if you if you so wish, and it's not your your straightforward and standard visual novel. It's a uh, you know without getting too far into it, it's all about time travel. We have three split times or whatever else from the two thousand eighty five, uh, nineteen eighty five, and nineteen forty four. It focuses on and so traveling between these times, but it, it, a visual novel that uses a flow chart, but uses a flow chart in such a way that you can only play certain characters to certain points to their story and then you have to move other characters forward if you like and you actually have to play the the deviations if you like of the the character within the the flow chart um as well to move other things forward so it's very much like i'm not sure if you've ever heard of this game neo uh, uh ai are uh, the somnium files unfortunately it's another one not on xbox uh, no i haven't actually that's that's a new one to me 
Yeah, I mean, these are these are all great games, but look, we won't we won't go down that path. Other than to say it's it's well worth uh, looking at. Now, is there something else you'd like to throw out there that you've been working on? Uh, yeah, sure. So I've I mentioned sort of Plague Tale Innocence, uh, and I think going. I'm quite glad that I got a chance to go back to this. So I'm playing this through Game Pass on PC. Uh, there, there's a there's a stack for it, so I decided I might as well double dip on it and go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the. Uh, for those who don't know, Plague Tale is essentially a, um, it's kind of one of those action adventure, uh, it's h- hard to define a genre, uh, but mostly it's action adventure. TA says it's a stealth game, which I suppose is fair. Uh, you you play as uh, you, you play as a, a pair of siblings who are formerly of a noble house and a, a horrific tragedy occurs and they need to make themselves scarce, basically, without giving too much away. Uh, and there is a massive plague that is going through... Um, uh, going through, I'm trying to think of the the, the time period. Uh, there's there's a lot of references to the Crusades and knights. So to give you an idea, it's sort of medieval, uh, medieval France being uh, being invaded by by the English, and so you end up in, in a lot of situations sneaking between the two battlegrounds and trying to escape and figure out why um, why you're a family, what what happened to your family, and also why these these uh, inquisitors are so interested in getting their hands on on your brother who has seems to have some sort of strange connection with the plague. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's yeah such a really really like a, a well told story from uh from you know a studio that I don't know if it might have been their first game or close to their first game I think in terms of um like like their their first sort of big narrative like um you know like mainstay game that sort of broke the mold I wouldn't say it's AAA in terms of quality it's a little bit of jank to it but in terms of uh, voice acting and story. And even the gameplay is still pretty good, uh, even as sort of a sort of stealth, um, you know, vision cone, uh, distract the kind of guy and sneak behind him kind of gameplay gets a little bit repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, yeah, like it, it's it's kind of riding that line in a sort of level of game that we don't really see anymore. It's that kind of double A, um, not massive, you know, Ubisoft, millions of uh, budget, thousands of people working on it, but also not like an indie, you know, five person team sort of thing. Yeah, you're right. It sits in the middle, and of course, if you if you haven't played this one, listeners, well, what the the fame for this game, I suppose, the claim to fame is to see how many rats they can fit on the screen at once without sort of you know crashing it or whatever. It's else. incredible. It is incredible, isn't it? I mean, you know, we're obviously not in spoilers, but through that last section, it's kind of amazing. But it is funny you bring up the stealth element because when I started this game, like I don't play a lot of stealth games. It's not a preferred genre genre for me, and it is there is a lot of stealth in this game or whatever else, and it's not, I wouldn't put that as a detraction. You know, if you're not a stealth game player, I think you can still get through this or whatever else. I want to ask you, because you're a completionist, you, you're going to complete it, you've completed it before. One of the the problems I had, because I played a little bit blind or whatever, was the, the resource management because you didn't get enough resources to, you know, max out everything if you didn't use them in the right way, if you just use them however mm-hmm. you want. Now, I've been told, now I don't know if you do this or not. So, you know, if you find this disgusting, we'll just, of course, you know, move on but i've been told there is a glitch for that is that correct that you can in a certain area farm resources or something like this is that is that the standard yes. practice I, I believe there is i don't actually know what the glitch is i have been told about it uh when i when i did my original playthrough of the game i basically played it at launch so there wasn't really there weren't really any guides i was very lucky i had just enough resources at the final checkpoint uh. to be able to get that achievement for for um upgrading the the all your things uh, I was, I was, you know, I was like one, one or two materials away from from having to redo that whole, pretty much that whole game. So, 
Um, this time I'm going through with a guide and I'm basically combing the world with a fine tooth comb because I, I know what I know what to expect and I know I know where the beats are and I know what to upgrade in what order. I'm a lot more prepared, so it's going to hopefully go a lot smoother. Um, so hopefully I won't need to use the glitch uh, because really the the upgrades themselves don't add a huge amount to the game. Uh, there is one particularly useful one that allows you to shoot two stones at once from your sling, but that is a sort of late game upgrade. It would be use, potentially useful to get that earlier on, but like you were talking about with the stealth, the game is the game is very much a narrative focused game, and so the gameplay itself is while good, uh, is very well signposted and there's not it's the the puzzle aspect of trying to figure out how to get through an area is not huge you know there's usually a couple of couple of good solutions around you know knocking out lights so rats attack people or distracting them or you know taking out a guy who doesn't have a helmet so the guys with helmets will go and look over there and look try and find where he went so you can sneak around uh, along with a, a bunch of other different tricks but like again they give you a lot of options and the game itself is is a relatively simple completion yeah, yeah. And I know I know we're dwelling on this game a bit, but one of the things I love so much, and I believe this game is on Game Pass, or at least it was at some point or whatever, is that this game, I think, got lost on the PlayStation completely. You know, a few people played it here and there, and it got a bit of traction, but, but it sort of definitely died away. And it's one of those little hidden gems that, you know, yes, I know you have to go out and buy it on our side or whatever else, but it, it's really worth your, your time and your money. And as Nia said, like 12 to 15 hours or so with you know, maybe a little bit of guide work if you're worried about those resources but well worth your time playing. Now, there's one more I want to ask you about here, only because it's a series that I never played going, going through the PlayStation, obviously, and it's been set as a challenge for me uh, through some podcasting friends. It's the first Gears of War game. Now, I see you're playing the second one here, the Japanese stack. Is, am I going to enjoy this, do you think? Is this, is, this, is this a killer series or not? I hear, I hear everyone going on about it, but is it true? Is the first one that good? Um, yeah, yeah, yes and no. I mean, you need to take it in the context. I, I definitely have probably some rose tinted glasses in terms of the first game, uh, partly because it was the only, it was the one and only game that I had for the 360 when I bought it. So I played it to death. <laughs> uh, I, w- w- when, when, in terms of completing the game, um, with the challenge, are you go trying to get through, get, do all the achievements, or are you just looking to finish the narrative and kind of just go through and, and not really worry about the multiplayer? Yeah, well, look, I am trying to maintain my 40% completion percentage. So to do that, I will just be playing the story. That's right. Yes. Gotcha. Perfect. Oh, and, and that, in that case, you, you could pretty much get it done in a day. The, the, the narrative, the narrative itself is actually quite short. Um, definitely best played with another person. It, it was one of the early Xbox games that encouraged uh, co op. Uh, and to use the Xbox Live system. So that was always a big thing. And that was kind of my first experience of online play with a person. Um, I got up to the the final boss on the hardest difficulty and I could not manage it by myself. So I, I went out and bought Xbox Live Gold and um, joined a lobby and, and had a guy help me out. Um, I didn't have a headset, so he, I could hear him talking. So I would move back and forth for yes and left and right for no. Like it was... It was it was very interesting. Like it was it was a really sort of a great way of kind of getting into that sort of online space because I wasn't a big PC game or anything like that. Like as I wasn't playing a lot of MMOs or or anything like that before that. So it was my first sort of experience um, with with sort of online console gaming. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, if you go through and, and you play through it on like the normal difficulty with, with a co op partner, there are five acts. The fifth act is very very short. Um, they they cut out quite a bit that they put back in in the PC release. Um, I would recommend doing the ultimate edition if you if you have a choice. 
um, is essentially the same game, but re, uh, reworked to look a bit nicer and, and you know, um, run a bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're going to go back to the original, it 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 really was the, um, it was really the progenitor. It was one of those things that it came after, like we said, um, Resident Evil 4 with that over-the-shoulder camera, but it really pioneered the chest-high wall, uh, everything being dog shit brown and gunmetal gray, and just really, you know, po-faced, super serious, macho, like, like it, it, it basically spawned an entire genre mm-hmm. is, is kind of the way I'd put it. It was, it was that and Call of Duty 4. So Call of Duty 4 basically reinvented the FPS genre and, and uh, Gears of War basically created the third-person shooter genre in terms of, you know, things like uh, Army of Two and um, Vanquish. And a lot of those kinds of styles of games. I mean, they they've kind of go in different directions, but you can you can all see the oh look, there's a, there's a bunch of chest high walls. There's definitely going to be a fight here. Better get my gun ready. Mm-hmm. It's I, I love these sort of things for the story and the campaign, not for. And I imagine you know we don't need to dwell on it if you if you don't like. But I imagine the achievement list for these games are not that pleasant. I imagine there's some bullshit hidden in there as well. Well, again, you have to remember that the, the early stages of achievements, the first couple of years were very, very rough. If you look at things like another third-person shooter example would be uh, Ghost Recon, Advanced Warfighter, which has uh, is one of those games that I wish I'd never started. It was actually, I think, the second game that I played. I rented it from a, a blockbuster back when they still existed. Uh, and I thought, oh, you know, I, I want to play a different game other than Gears of War, so I'll play something that's almost exactly like Gears of War. Um <laughs> It, it has has three achievements in it. Uh, one for getting to the top of the solo leaderboards, one for getting to the top of the team leaderboards, and one for getting top of the universal leaderboards. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's incredibly difficult. Uh, one of the, it's, it, Essentially, I've told myself that I ever get those achievements, I'm going to have to seriously think about retiring because I would have spent... The, the, the current grind for that is about eight months. Oh, wow. Is that, a, is that an aim then or is... <laughs> uh, I mean, look, if, if I finish literally everything else, I might consider it. Um. But there, there is a there is a leaderboard blocker who is sitting at the top of that uh, at the moment and making sure that no one else can get it. He is also the person who is at the top of the Kane and Lynch leaderboards, uh, yes, <laughs> which has been been a controversial matter at the moment because there's been a team of people who have managed to get past him, but he has been fighting tooth and nail to to get past. It's so funny these these type of achievements because we have a, a trophy hunter coming up in the next few weeks that and you'll have to forgive me here, listeners. He he recently platted or last year. It's a, one of these fighting games. It's an older fighting game from the PS3 genre, and it has a similar thing where so you have to hold the belt or whatever else. And of course, one person holds the belt and they can choose not to play and so therefore you know locking it away from everyone and and there's an interesting an interesting method that was used to uh, to acquire this and to to remove the belt from him and bring it back into circulation but we'll get into that next week other than to say that these sort of things are total bullshit i think uh, yeah pretty much <laughs> as the, and it's also so funny that you talk about without a headset moving back and forwards because that is exactly the way i played the division and the division two in a team of four with no conversation just slowly moving left and right to indicate indicate our decisions which i love <laughs> it's it's the universal language everyone understands it you don't have you, you don't have to speak english french or japanese you just move back and forth and everyone knows that is yes this is no <laughs> do you have this item is this gear better than this one 
do you need to do this mission? That's right. And when you get shot in the face, you know that you fucked up. It's a, yeah, exactly. It's a wonderful thing. I like that. Now, before we move over to Neverwinter, and I'm very keen to talk about this one, I want to ask, we're recording literally, you know, a few hours away from the median dropping now on the Xbox. It's the first, you know, next-gen game, I suppose, for the Xbox, uh, solely for the Xbox Series X and PC. Are you eager to play this game? I know there's been a little bit of information come out about it. It looks like it's around an 8 to 10-hour experience. You know, so that's quite a nice link for this style game, I think. Are you are you keen on this or not so much? Uh, very much so. I, I'm a big fan of uh, Bloober Team and, and their previous works. I, I've, I've got played through and completed uh, Layers of Fear 1 and 2, and I've also completed Observer. Uh, so and also the Blair Witch uh, game that they came out with uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, so I'm very very interested to to see what they get they can do with the the power of the uh, of the next gen consoles or current gen I should say these days. Um, I don't think I'll be playing it immediately. I, I tend to be a relatively patient gamer, uh, usually because uh, you know you run into things. Part of the reason is you run into things like Cyberpunk, where the game's just uh, kind of messed up to start with, and also because I, I like getting an idea of what what the guides are, what missables are, uh, because while I like to play games relatively blind, I don't like to have everything spoiled for me before I go into it. I do like to know what to look out for to make sure that I don't have to spend more time playing a game that I need to. Yeah, I can I can understand that. And as a listener knows, Nia, so I do apologize. This is a very relaxed show. There's no show notes here or whatever. It just goes from thing to thing. So as I said, you know, you're doing great. I hope that's not annoying you that, that it is. No, it's perfect. But I want to ask you now, because you brought up the Blair Witch. Look, I started the Blair Witch on the Xbox because I believe it came on... Um, game pass maybe early on perhaps it's still there i don't know yes i believe it is still there yeah so i I didn't have to pay for it so i was like i'm gonna give it a try or whatever you know played five minutes yeah i got into this i'll pick it up for the playstation i did that and i got further into it and one of the things i wanted to ask you here one of the things that really grated my goat in this game was that sort of time loop mechanic uh i didn't get far i got to it was a tree had fallen down or something and you had to use the camera you know to move things around and i just it wasn't what i was expecting in that game at all i think did do you have any comments on the game did you enjoy it like did you like those sort of mechanics I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the game takes, you can tell that the game takes a lot from predecessors, things like Outlast, uh, with, with the sort of camcorder mechanics and the, the low light sneaking around, not having any way to fight the monsters sort of thing. Um, I, I liked a lot of it. Uh, I feel like it dragged a bit uh, and got a bit muddled in terms of its messaging. And mechanically, it's not a very complex game, you know? Like, I don't think it, it, it didn't really need to be as long as it did. I, I understand kind of what they were going for for the narrative, uh, it was quite interesting in relation to, you know, the the original movie and that kind of stuff and what they sort of harken back to. Uh, and I, I, I did quite enjoy it from, from a narrative perspective, but yeah, the, the sort of puzzle mechanics, like they didn't really do it for me either. I kind of just looked at a guide for the most part. Like I was like, okay, I kind of get what I need to do here. Yeah. Uh, there's also a lot of collectibles, which is something that I'm not a huge fan of, especially just collectibles for collectibles sake. Um, because again, like you, you end up just looking at the guide. Okay, where's the next one? Okay, play until I get to the next bit. And you just, you're just constantly looking up and down, which is really not the way I like to play games. But unfortunately, just given the reality of what I do, is just kind of how things usually pan out. Yeah, I, I like that. And of course, you're given a dog as well. So, well, you know, I mean, unless it's Call of Duty Ghosts, it's probably a good thing, you know, having a dog in a game, I suppose. So <laughs> I do I do like that. I want to ask you now, I'm very conscious of spoilers here, and I know people will want to play this game, so we probably can't say outright, but, you know, would you encourage me, my most favourite part in the movie, the part that I found terrifying, I thought was wonderful, it stayed with me from when I was you know, a lot younger in the cinema where we watched it in that opening week, was that section where... He 
he's standing up in the house in the forest and he's sort of looking straight at the wall. He's right at the wall. He's muttering and that. It's a wonderful moment in the film of, of sheer terror as you start to realise what's going to happen to him and all of this. Am I going to have a similar situation towards the latter end of the game? Should I continue playing for this or should I should I not hold my breath? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, like, again... Like that that sort of scene has been harkened back to so many times. I mean, even, you know, Resident Evil 7, for example, has a lot of that, like basically almost rips it off the very big, the very sort of prologue of that game basically rips off the Blair, Blair Witch almost scene for scene yeah. uh, in terms of that stuff. Um, it, it doesn't quite get to that level, I don't think, but the, the game I found is short enough that I, I feel like if you're not going for the full completion and needing to play through it again on the hardest difficulty and do all that kind of stuff, just getting to the end of it, I was quite interested. There was a lot of, it's a very psychological game. There's a lot around, okay, what's real and what isn't. Uh, it does suffer from the usual thing of every, you know, it, the, the monsters, monsters are scary when you don't see them. But the more you get caught by them, the more you get damaged by them, the more that, you know, you see them in your face and they just become an annoyance. The, the sort of the effect wears off. And that's that's true of any game like this. I mean, even Alien Isolation, which I think is almost, almost perfectly encapsulate that sort of stealth, terrifying just like like shit 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 shit. i need to do something i need to get away from this this horrific killing machine that learns um even that like you know when you get killed by the alien for the 20th time in the same section you have to redo it like it just kind of loses its loses appeal it just becomes a, a, a trudge uh and like i feel like i feel like that blair witch suffers from some of that a little bit um but depending on where you got up to like i mean it sounds like you're probably uh, I mean, did, did you get past the, the minecart part? Uh, this is where I'm at, yes. Yeah, the minecart. That's about halfway through. Like, there's, you, 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 yeah, and, and most most of what you do after that is story. There is a little bit of sneaking around, but a lot of it is just kind of wandering around in the dark for a bit, uh, getting a bit of narrative stuff. And, like, don't be afraid to use a guide for this one, to be honest. Like, it's it's more about the experience itself rather than, you know, trying to figure out every puzzle and, and, you know, uncover the mystery. It's more about just kind of going through the experience and, and questioning what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a shame you say that because it, I subscribe to the, the horror, you know, the, the psycholo- ho- psychological horror method that less is more. And it sounds like perhaps it suffers a little bit from the little hope, uh, dark pictures anthology. Uh, a, a little bit, a little bit, not maybe not qu- quite that, not quite that bad, but I think it does kind of lean sometimes a bit on that yeah. stuff. Oh, well, if you can't set your clock to it, then it's, it's probably not dark pictures. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's it's true though, isn't it? I mean, it's, a- uh, well, I mean, to, 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 to be fair, to be fair, supermassive that they they are they're unafraid in in their tropiness they they know exactly what they're doing and they 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 place they play into it so heavily yeah yeah that, that's right look at you know i did enjoy that game as well so it sounds like you've played that game as well or you're yes i've i, I played that and uh, man of Medan as well yeah yeah perfect perfect so what we might do listeners is we'll shuffle across to never winter and as i said i wasn't sure what we were going to talk about because i wanted it to be different you know to, to keep us interested or whatever else and and i i didn't expect to find this game on your your profile you know if we're not familiar with it uh, listeners it's a massive multiplayer open world role-playing game and that's not unusual Unusual on this show, but what's unusual is we're not going to talk about Final Fantasy 14. We're going to talk about <laughs> Never 
Super Winter instead. Now, I've never played this game, but it's fair to say you have really played this game. I see you have 190 of the 192 achievements. You've been playing it on and off, I imagine, like like any MMO player does uh, for the past sort of four or five years or so. What do you love about this game? What attracted you to starting a game like this? Because these are massive investments, as I'm sure you've, you know, <laughs> you've got on to realize. Oh, I've, I have found, yes. <laughs> so what drew you in? Was it just a, like a, a random, <laughs> I'm going to try this tonight? Or... <laughs> Um, oh, this is oh, this is embarrassing, but uh, um, it was it was the greatest of all attractors, CJ. It was a woman. Mm. <laughs> uh, it was a um, it was again. This this was has been a long time, but this this was a uh, a. It was, it was hmm, how much of this am I allowed to tell? Uh, uh, this is not going to go on. Is this going down the track of, you know, we met, we got married in the game and now in real life, it just turned out perfectly for us both. It's def- that's definitely oh, it. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I've never yeah, met yeah, I hear, I, from, look now, you know, from Final Fantasy 14, I've been to weddings on that game. I hear about this happening all the time, but I've never, I've never spoken to anyone that has actually worked out for in real life like this. <laughs> no, I mean, like ex- the, the reality is, it was a, um, it, it, it was a, it was a, fr- a fr- acquaintance that, well, actually, a, a very good friend of mine uh, during my early achievement hunting days, uh, who, who I who I got involved with uh, through through one of the communities. Uh, again, this was a very very long time ago, mm. um, and uh, and she was playing Neverwinter, and she was like, "Hey, look, um, I've got a guild that I run with a bunch of people. We'll play a bunch of it." Um, she she was uh, yeah actually I, I don't want to don't want to give it too many personal details but but people who know me know the story um and so i basically i I've, i have been known to succumb to peer pressure relatively easy i i have been nicknamed the man with a rubber arm in terms of getting me to start games that i really shouldn't be starting um and this this is pretty much the 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 sort of the the genesis of that whereas i started neverwinter i thought well i'll probably never finish it but she was a very attractive woman. Um, <laughs> For the number of hours this has taken, she must have been. <laughs> yeah, and my fiance is looking at me, being like, "Oh, was she?" Um, yeah. <laughs> what happens in the game stays in the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. Um, so, she, <laughs> so is it, this, but yeah, this is a direction she didn't expect this to go in. I'm sure. No, no, very much not. Well, I mean, she's heard the story too. Um, because it, it 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 is it is one it is one that I I do because I do get asked this question because it is such a strange thing to show up on my tag yeah. with me being so militant about what I play, mm. um, and like I I so I started it we we played for quite a while I played in her guild um she we after we uh, after we basically broke up um I decided that it wasn't really for me so I left the guild and kind of fell off the game for a, quite a few years um I had made quite a bit of progress in it. Uh, but it became one of those things that they kept releasing updates for and I kept falling further and further behind and just really just like, okay, well, look, I've got so many other things to do. And this was when I was in my prime achievement hunt, hunting and buying games and playing everything as the minute it came out and just, you know, ripping through stuff. Yeah. So it was, it, it's, it became that, that's, it became the, the, the source of shame on my tag because it was one of those ones that look at all that TA that I'm missing, look at all those achievements that I'm missing and they just keep adding more and more title updates to it and I'll never get around to it. 
Yeah, I, I understand all that, but you don't. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't you don't play these games as you said for achievements or whatever else, and you definitely don't continue with them as much as you, you want your completion percentage. There, there. I think they're a labor of love, and I, you know, I always avoided these sort of games too, not because maybe for different reasons, like I'm not worried about completing it or whatever, but I just saw this massive time sink or time hole that you you could fall into. And when I was thinking about starting Final Fantasy 14, or maybe I just you know started jumped into it a couple of years ago or whatever and someone said cj look you, you really need to be careful because you're gonna you're gonna run into people that live their better lives in these games and i'm like oh, that's ridiculous you know that doesn't happen or whatever and in that game it really does there are there are people like it, it's a joke you know that that's the japanese housewife game or whatever because you're probably playing with housewives you know during the day that's yeah, such yeah. A thing, which is you know nothing wrong with that it's you have some wonderful conversations but there are people and admittedly i only drop in now and then to that game but there are people that are always there you know it's their game they play or whatever else and they they know everything now i'm not as familiar with this never winter night so i'm not sure if that's a fair comparison but i mean is is it a is it a sort of a narrative that pulls you back or is it more the gameplay loop that pulls you back i mean p- p- the, it, it, narrative wise it's almost nothing i mean it is so, so ne- neverwinter is based on the dungeons and dragons universe mm. uh so anyone who's interested in, in the, the sort of tabletop stuff along with these sort of traditional um story you know books and that sort of stuff uh from the 80s uh will will be very familiar with with the tropes and the characters and you know it, it's basically straight out of the player's handbook in terms of you know you've got you've got tomb of annihilation you've got the underdark you've got um dark elves You've got, you know, um, liches. You've got everything. E- everything from Dungeons and Dragons gets crammed into the game. Everything's along the Sword Coast. Uh, you, you travel to, you know, Cholt and you do a lot of ancient ruins. And it's it's pretty much everything you could ever ask for in terms of, uh, like, from a narrative, I guess, and sort of um, s- setting perspective. Uh, but in terms of the actual story, there isn't really a lot there. I skip all of it. Most people do. It's really about the gameplay loop, but it is it has it is full of free to play trappings. Yeah. It's um, it's it's rotten with them actually. Uh, and and so the the people who make it are the same people who do um Star Trek Online. Mm. Uh, so it is it, yeah, it it is nothing but loot boxes, and most patches are usually not for the better in terms of value for money. Mm. Uh, I, I have I have put a fair amount of money into it over the years, not a huge amount, but I do every now and then when you know when the premium currency goes on sale, I'll grab a bunch of it to use later down the line when things are on sale or when my guildmates recommend, hey, we need this for a raid or et cetera, et cetera. But it's I've had a very love hate relationship with this game, and it's funny you talk about housewives because that girl I was talking about was one of those people. She was a housewife. <laughs> Uh, and that that was her life that she she played this game and and like I I couldn't have that kind of commitment to it not just because you know I was a, I believe a student at the time um, and then also and then moving into a job and then you know having other lot other parts of my life while also trying to maintain the game of school stuff and finishing up my games like never went to really just didn't fit in there uh, but part of the achievement community that I, I joined um, so one of the previous hosts of the real gamer score podcast uh, planting forty two. Uh, him, he, he was part of a guild, uh, part of a um, a guild on there as on uh, on Everwinter, along with a couple of my buddies Yoda and Frank, and they basically said, "Hey, look, you know, we're still playing this. We're basically up to we're pretty much up to scratch. We're like maybe one one expansion behind. Do you want to join our guild and we'll, we'll kind of help you out and, and level you up and get you some good gear so you can go back and do all the old stuff?" Hmm. And 
you know, I was like, oh yeah, you know what? Like I, I was, I was looking for a social experience. And I think that was the thing that brings me back is, is that it, I, I tend to be a very sort of, uh, <laughs> long time listeners of the real gamer score would know that I had a, a bit at the end of the show, depending on whether the episode was uh, an odd numbered episode or an even number episode where I would tell the, the audience that I loved them and wanted them to play all the games with them or that they could fuck off and die. Um, <laughs> And so it took took people quite a while to figure out what the bit was and whether I was actually an asshole or or just pretending to be one. Um, so, but the thing is, like, I, I tend to be a very single player focused game. I'm sure you've gone through my tag and looked at a lot of stuff. I, I tend to be playing a lot of narrative based single player stuff with the occasional co op experience, uh, and having something that was. Uh, I, it was it was a, a time in my life when I wanted to be talking with people, and it's when I got more involved with Real Gamer Score before I started hosting on the show um when i was just a fan and and that was the kind of thing it was like i wanted a group of people that i could get in, in touch with and i could play with on the daily and we could play with each other and just you know chat shit while doing some relatively menial stuff um and you know earn some achievements and work our way towards some of the you know the highest ratio achievements on the website yes which is very true because i see it's a uh, you know or pushing twenty one thousand or something uh achievement a true achievement there yeah i like that see it's funny you you bring that up because i avoid playing co-op like the plague if i can you know i'm a very much a single player gamer and a lot of that's tied up with the work that i do and the hours that you know it's very difficult for me to sit down you know at a, a given time perhaps and play for two hours you know for a raid or pre-raid and all this stuff that these sort of games demand and i'm sure this game does similarly once you start something like this you sort of have to see it through you know and and so my gaming's all over the place so it becomes difficult and one of the things that i liked about ff14 so much was that even though it's an mmo you could play so much of that game as a single player which i know sort of seems like it defeats the purpose so i suppose that's what i'm interested in this never winter is there elements of that in this game as well or as you've said it's very much a you need to be in that guild or within a group too i mean like the the majority of what i've done is single player uh it definitely helps to have maybe a group of maybe two or three other people who can who can help you out in terms of some some of the um some of the weekly raids usually require either you need quite a high gear score to be able to solo them or if you're just sort of starting out it really helps to have other people who are there with you who can help explain mechanics and also because they update things and change balances uh, I, I haven't really been keeping up i'd log in every day for neverwinter for my, my daily bonus uh but so much of that game is solo, but I kind of got, I've sort of gotten to the stage where I've done all the solo content and all, all that I really had left were about five or six achievements that really involved teamwork. One of which was finishing a, a skirmish, which is kind of like a, like a, a mini raid. that's basically just like a fight, a few enemies and a, a tough boss fight with a few various stages rather than going through a whole dungeon. Um, complete that without any of your teammates dying on the hardest difficulty, for example. And so you, you needed t- you needed ten people for that, and none of them had to, you had to have none of them go down. So it required quite a bit of teamwork. But thankfully, um, the the guild that I've joined recently um, are, are those kinds of people who play Neverwinter and nothing else. Like they have their own Discord server, they're always on top of it. They always have all the boons. They have the the best builds. They're always on top. You know, they, they always know exactly what needs to happen. Mm. Um, they're always on top of the updates, and they let me know around. Okay, hey, this this was this was best in slot. Now you need to change this to this work towards getting this hey we'll help you with this dungeon and they really helped me close the gap and sort of catch up on those last i had maybe sort of five or so achievements that i was really struggling with because i didn't have a good dedicated group to go back to because my group had sort of fallen off again they had sort of fallen out with the latest updates they weren't really happy with the way the monetization was working so i had to find a new group 
Um, but these guys are even more hardcore than I am. And so I have these last two achievements, one for finishing the current um, skirmish, which is very, very difficult. Uh, and then one of them for finishing um, the previous skirmish or t- two skirmishes back actually, which uh, without dying, which is kind of the, the, it's the classic one that everyone runs. It's multi-stage, you know, there's, there's call outs, there's names for things, you know, it's like if someone says, okay, middle, left, back, um, flames, uh, double hypo, like you, you've got to learn all this terminology, you've got to look for signs, like it's very, very involved in a way that um, almost like level, almost like classic WoW style of like needing to, to know these, these, uh, these phases and these stages inside and out because they're, they're not just, it's not just like clockwork, you need, you need to be really ready for it. And obviously having no one go down uh, during any of those fights is very, very difficult. Um, and I, I, again, I don't know if I'll ever finish Neverwinter. Um, they're coming out with a new, a new mod. They call the mods, which is their sort of expansions with new achievements, new content coming out with a, a new large mod in February. Um, so it remains to be seen what that looks like. If there'll be a new dungeon or, or how difficult the achievements will be. Sometimes they're relatively simple and it's just, Hey, go, do your dailies for like two months. Mm. And and you'll get all you'll get all the achievements. Sometimes it's yeah, do the dungeon without dying. But they tend to have they tend to realize that people aren't very happy with those because they're very very challenging. And they tend they as time goes on, they tend to ease up the difficulty on some of these uh, some of these more difficult raids as less and less people play them as they get older. Mm. You you think? See, I know that a lot of a lot of what you say there, those last two, it's probably very frustrating or whatever. But I'm sort of licking my lips on this side because un- unfortunately, on the FF14 side, which I am secretly hoping Phil Spencer will continue to work his magic in, J- in Japan as he's been doing, and somehow get that game across on the the wonderful Xbox as well, so I can uh, so I can do it again, of course. <laughs> this, but one of the travesties of that game with the current list is that you only need to play the base game so all the content that's come out over the years the expansions they're not involved in the achievement or trophy list there at all so obviously you know you're playing it for the game or whatever but there's no uh you know external reward i suppose for doing that and one of the other problems with that game is that they do have some extreme raids you know or whatever else but they're not to the level that you would see in wow or by the sound of it in this game or maybe even elder scrolls uh, online with the difficulty so I don't know. It, it definitely, it definitely intrigues me. I want to ask one more thing about this because you, you sort of alluded to it. It is a totally free to play game at its base, though, isn't it? Yes, yes, hundred percent. You you can get in there free to play, but you will notice the trappings pretty quickly. Yeah. So this is what I want to ask about because we have a few hardcore players in the in the listenership that they like to you know play these sort of games or whatever else. They're not afraid of the thousand or two thousand hours that these things take. I know some of them are just uh, approaching the end of Final Fantasy fourteen or have done so. Last year it was all about these idle champions of the Forgotten Realm. I don't know if you know this game. Ironic. I know a little bit about in the, it. the Dungeons and Dragons universe, but more of a clicker now that's also a free-to-play game that is very clever at monetization as well perhaps to even you know uh, stimulate your progress at times it becomes very difficult without it is it possible to get through this never winter without financial transactions or is it very much geared to um i i mean you definitely can but you need to put in a lot of hours so the the main thing that you'll be doing is is um farming equipment and finding farming diamonds so you have a certain allotment of, of astral diamonds that you can get you can get you can, uh, every time you finish uh, a queue, so there are four queues, you have a, a beginner queue, an intermediate, uh, a epic, and then like a like a, like a a super dungeon, like really difficult queue, I believe, a master queue, I think it was called. Uh, every time you finish one of those, uh, you get a certain amount of rough astral diamonds. You can just, uh, and you, you'll get more for the first time you do it, but you can repeat those as many times as you want to keep getting rough diamonds. 
and you can convert those into uh, refined diamonds, 100,000 of them every day. Uh, and then you can use those to buy various things on uh, the auction house that people have put up or just sort of in-game stores. Most of the stuff is auction house stuff that people have found in Dungeon that have put up for sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can, all, but you can also, they also have a, um, a trade house where you can trade those diamonds for the uh, in-game currency, the purchasable one, mm-hmm. uh, which is called Zen. Uh, you can also buy that by itself, but there is a market for people who have bought the Zen that want to turn it into diamonds to buy things off the auction house. So you can, there's a sort of fluctuating rate around how much, you know, how much, uh, how many diamonds go for one Zen is usually sitting around 500, 600. So you, you can work your way through it. Uh, it's, it is a big grind. Um, you, and if you get lucky with, with drops and there are lock boxes, of course, as these things always tend to have. Uh, so you can purchase keys. And if you have VIP, which is sort of a purchase subscription, that gives you some bonuses, like allows you to um, basically teleport to any town you need to from wherever you are. You get access to your bank immediately, uh, usually a few extra slots. Uh, you, you, when you die, you don't take injuries. Uh, you don't have to wait for your injuries to leave you to not get stat debuffs and stuff. So I, I would recommend getting a VIP, uh, like you know maybe a six-month subscription if you're into joining the game. You, you can use the in-game currency to buy that if you can f- convert it to Zen. But... The keys and the lockboxes are where you get the really rare stuff. And that that's where you can make big money if you're very, very lucky because you, you get, say, like a legendary mount out of it, which is a, a tiny draw rate, but you can sell that for 5 million diamonds easy. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I log in every day. I get a key for my VIP every day. I'm not really playing the game all that much uh, because I've kind of exhausted the content that I'm interested in. Uh, and I'm kind of waiting for the new mod to see kind of what the balance changes come out rather than spending a lot of time on a character and a build that I don't know is going to be viable in two months, for example. Yeah, it's wonderful hearing you talk about this because we've totally divided the audience now, Neo. There are people there that are just going, oh my God, fuck no, I would never play anything like this. And there's others with this sick, twisted, you know, curse of these type of games like myself that's just leaning closer and closer, I I think, towards it. But PlayStation gamers, if you are interested in this game, ironically, there are two stacks of this game. So you can actually platinum it twice, my goodness. Or basically every trophy in it is ultra rare as well. So I know that will excite some of you. I have to ask Neo as we, as we wrap out of this, uh, playing an MMO for a few years, you learn a lot of tricks and things. You also realize that you probably wasted a lot of time doing things, not, not implying that that perhaps happened to you. Are there any things that you could pass out as tips other than what you already have of things that you realize now that probably would have been very helpful if you'd known at the start? Um, get get VIP early. If, if, if you're going to be invested in this stuff, just get into VIP straight away, buy 12 months of it, get, get to like the top rank or whatever it is. Um, and just um, just basically get all those benefits because the amount of time you save from from the, the teleporting, the bank stuff, uh, the the lack of getting injured when you when you get downed, uh, and then also you know you get discounts on some of the trade store stuff. It really adds up over time, mm-hmm. uh, and and the daily key that you get can be you know even if you're just opening one lockbox a day, like you, you that's better than opening none. And you you get you even if you don't get the ultra rare stuff, you still get useful things out of those boxes. So if, if that's what you're gonna if you're if you're really getting invested in it, just just get like twelve months of it. Um it'll cost you a little bit, but not too much. And it'll it'll really could have put you on the right path. And then find a guild that has um that ha- has good guild boons. So a- a- as you play through the game, as you finish uh the the quote unquote campaigns and the sort of a- objectives, you'll unlock permanent buffs that you can a- attach to your character. Um and s- when you join a guild, the guild has the option of building uh building various uh parts of the of their stronghold they give you different buffs and some of those buffs are quite serious increases to health and, and defense and attack 
which can really speed things. And one of them is, for example, an experience buff that'll help you level up to the, the 70 max level much, much quicker. Yeah, I like that. I like that. There's, there's always hidden trappings there, but at least if you go in with your your eyes open, you're going to save yourself. You know, it might cost you a few dollars here, but you're going to save yourself potentially hundreds of hours down the track. So it will lead to a, a far more enjoyable experience. I want to thank you so much for giving up your time, Neo. It's it's wonderful. I, I've seen you, you know, on the friends list there playing different things or whatever, and I'm always intrigued. I've been listening to you, you know, uh, solidly for the last six months or so with the Real Gamer Score podcast, and it's been awesome to speak to to Cameron the other week and yourself and just to to speak with other passionate gamers I suppose which you, you clearly are you're well informed and it, you're, the love you have for gaming is infectious which is I think a wonderful thing that we need to keep pushing out to trophy hunters and perhaps to you know achievement hunters as well we all benefit from that so look could I could I ask you to spruik your show and, and yourself if you're happy to yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 always out to haul myself out as much as possible. Uh, so so I uh, I run a podcast called the Real Gamer Score Podcast. Uh, we talk primarily about achievements and achievement related news, especially on the Xbox system. Uh, but we do have a lot of crossover with PlayStation stuff. I mean, the, a lot of that news and, and things that we talk about tend to be uh, we tend to cross pollinate quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we also have a Discord, Discord.io/slash Real Gamer Score. Uh, if you want to come and have a chat with us, we're always keen to talk to people and uh, people on both sides of the the gaming community. Uh, we, we really have a big passion for games and, and we, we just love chatting shit, to be honest, any, any excuse really. Um, and, uh, if, if anyone on the, on the, on the Xbox side is interested in, in talking to me or messaging me, you can find me on Neo Master, on True Achievements or on, um, on the Xbox or on Discord. Uh, easiest way to get a hold of me yeah that's perfect and of course listeners their discord it is really wonderful they you know he mentioned tonight you know helping other people or whatever else and there there is a a very much a vibe in that as well and of course they also have wonderful they're very good with technology they have wonderful uh events with the um and i'll probably say this wrong but the random to-do list where the somehow the the machine knows what you've played neo and it tells you what you should play which i you know you laugh there but it's amazing how many gamers need to be told what to play so (laughs) It, it, it does it does help it usually gets my ass into gear when i don't know what to play i usually just look at the list and the list i just follow the list yeah yeah look look you know i it's getting to the point where i think there could be money in making these lists for people you know <laughs> forget about I'll, playing them. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to i'll talk to tarragon about it he, he'll he'll see the money signs immediately I, I think i think it's i think it's possible so look i do i do want to thank you one more time neo it's been wonderful to talk tonight thank you for coming on oh thank you so much for having me it's been fantastic So there you go, listeners. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today with Neo Master, the highest rank New Zealand gamer score holder for the Xbox and Hall of Famer. Of course, he's also a host over on the Real Gamer Score podcast. Yes, it's an Xbox podcast, but there is so much crossover between the games. Heck, why not give them a listen? I'm sure you'll have a laugh and learn something along the way. So my gem for this week, well, we've actually already talked about it a little bit in the episode, but one of the, well, I suppose a little behind the curtains, one of the great things about doing the interviews and then the the sort of second part of the episode later in the week is that I do have a bit of time, I suppose, to go back into games and finish them up. And that's what I've been doing this week. In fact, this game has been all consuming for me. I think it's going to come in or has come in around 40 hours or so. And coming off the back of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I'm still 
still chipping away at now over 100 hours. It's, it's unusual for me to have two such, I suppose, big games running concurrently. But I've look, I've really enjoyed it. The game I do want to talk to you about today, it did release in 2019 in Japan, but it was not localised until 2020-20 worldwide. It is a game that has an interesting history. It was first pitched in 2013, and it was pitched with a toy line associated with it. They thought they were going to go on and make a whole sort of almost a, not a toys to life game, but definitely a toys accompaniment to this game. Now you'll see why as I get into it in a moment. Atlas, the publisher, took over with the, the creatives in 2013. They moved away from that idea. It was then pitched to have a Vita release, but with COVID and all the other dramas going on, that was shelved in 2018 when it was supposed to launch. Again, it was pushed back a year to 2019 in Japan, but now out in the West as well. It is a Japanese visual novel. It is one of my top picks of 2020, if not the very top. Of course, if you don't like visual novels, this is probably not going to be for you. But if you do, this is probably the best narrative I've ever read, in quotations, because it is all fully voice acted in either English or Japanese. In fact, I'm prepared to go out and say it's probably the best narrative I've ever experienced in any game. It is really something else, and of course talking here of 13 Sentinels' Aegis Rim. This game, it has an interesting story because in the latter end of 2018, they actually released the prologue. Now, this was only released in Japanese, and I believe if you are interested in that, it's only available now on the, I want to say the Singapore store, maybe the Indonesian store. I don't even know that it's still on the Japanese store for a couple of dollars. Of course, that's not in English, but what that was was the whole first section of the game, if you like, about two hours or so, all sort of about eight of the 13 protagonists, their prologue chapter now of course if you if you buy into this whole game you're going to experience that as well so what is it and what are these people well look you should be familiar with vanillaware they've been around the playstation forever ps2 days included they of course did the wonderful odin sphere they've done grim grimoire and of course the more recent well relatively Dragon's Crown. Now, this was the project I said that they did start after Dragon's Crown in 2013. This was a real labor of love, this project. And I'm so glad that not only did they finally finish it, but that they did also localize it. It started off to a mixed bag in Japan, but within a month or two, it hit 300,000 sales and far exceeded Atlas's. Uh, Atlas's ambitions for the game, I suppose, which is is truly wonderful. Now, as I said, they did they did shelve the Vita version, and having played this now, there were numerous times I thought this would have worked really well on the Vita. I'm sure it's not a performance thing. I think it must have just been a time thing. So. What makes this visual novel unique is that it's part visual novel in the the 2D art style that is, you know, Vanillaware is so well known for. If you've played Odin's Sphere, you'll know, you know what I mean, Dragon's Crown, this wonderful art style that they use, this attention to detail. That's half of the game. The other half of the game is getting in these giant sentinels, if you like, these giant mechs and taking on an RTS strategy type of game. Now, it's a bit of a mix of of RTS and turn-based. You have your your sort of 13, you, you know, that you can choose from in your team, of which you can pick six at any one time to, to represent you. Now, there are, there are mechanics there to stop you picking the same six the whole way through. There are 30 waves in, in total in this sort of thing split across three sort of, I suppose, mini campaigns, if you like, and there's seven beginner levels as well. 
the way the game set out, I didn't even realize they were beginner level, so I didn't play them till towards the end. But it, look, it's sort of self-explanatory. If you're worried about the difficulty here, and, and I definitely was because I'm not an RTS player at all, at all. It's very look. It can be as easy as you want. There's an easier, normal, and a hard. And look, the easy is not difficult at all. I even bumped it up to normal, and you can change it at any time you want, just to get some sort of a, a feel for it. Now, it does have visual novel elements even in this section of the game. Each of the the missions, if you like, it has a little bit at the start and a little bit at the end, and it ties it very nicely into the story. There is upgrading mechanics here as well. And look, the trophies for this side of the game are very easy. You're probably only going to spend maybe. Look, two hours maximum in this mode, probably less if you're sort of skipping the text. I suppose you don't want to engage. Now, it does work really nicely with the visual novel elements of the game because while you have 13 protagonists, and, you know, when you when you wrap your head around that, you know, we heard about all these Watchdogs legions. Oh, you could have all these characters, but none of them meant anything to me because there's no backstory. I, you know, I need a backstory, CJ, a backstory. Well, this game is the opposite. 13 backstories, 13 current stories, 13 stories in the near future, and 13 stories in the distant future. That's what you're going to be playing as this game roves between 1945, 1985, 2025, 2065, 2020, 25 as well. Look, there's a lot of 20s in there, I think. So this game, it looks at the characters as they age. Obviously, some characters in different times. Some characters are cloned against each other. Some characters are robots, sort of, you know, their consciousness is put into robots. There's a lot of crazy shit going on that you would expect in a Japanese game. This does make this game probably the hardest visual novel I've, I've found to follow the story. What complicates the narrative is that you can only play certain characters up to certain points. Now, you do play, I suppose, loosely if you're used to VNs on a flowchart-esque system, but it's sort of on a locked path type flowchart, and it's all based around keywords. In a way, it's not dissimilar to AI Somnium files, but it's no escape room in this, although there are loops that can get a little confusing and you'll play through multiple times. I think three or four I found where I didn't know what to do to get that keyword. Sometimes it's a little it's a little tricky to know when you're moving between sections as well because you can physically move the characters in the the visual novel space to which section to go but if you move around a bit you'll you'll figure it out. It's definitely a visual novel that you need to you need to really interact with because if you're not following that text it becomes very, you know, tricky I suppose to know what to do next. This is probably not a skipping visual novel. I see people have done it at 9 hours but if you're going to play this this is going to be a 35 to 40 hour I would imagine experience all around there's some really wonderful moments in the music in this game as well the composer and sort of lead musical director if you like Hitoshi Sakamoto best known for his Final Fantasy 12 score and Final Fantasy Tactics is in full force here and while the music is not overpowering of the story it really it almost strikes you as film music it sits so nicely underneath for most of it but there are some really big moments as well as the as the game goes 
as I said, if you're going to play this game, you probably need to clear the 35 to 40 hours. I was hoping to play it amongst other things. And in the end, I got both drawn in, but I also found that it was just too difficult to know what was going on if I was chopping it up. There is a wonderful sort of glossary section where you unlock these mystery files. So if you were going to play it over time, that will tell you more and more of the story. And at times you do need to engage with that as well. If you're here for the trophies and the plats, there are no missable trophies. You can revisit any section of, of the flowchart or story as you go or at the end as well. Most of them you will get naturally as well. Most of the trophies are for 50% and 100% completion. Look, it's a wonderful story. It's highly sci-fi, as I've said. It involves mechs, robots, shared consciousness, moving consciousness, love, as you would expect with Japanese. It's all based around teenagers, schools, and for some strange reason, when they're in these giant sentinel mechs, they are naked. Look, that is the Japanese mind for you, I suppose. I know I'm gushing on this game a lot, but I think it will turn out to be my top game of 2020. And if you have a leaning towards the Japanese games, well, look, even if you don't, you really owe it to yourself to experience this game, not just for the art and the music, but for one of the most uniquely designed stories in any game that I've seen today. So that brings us to Spam of the Week. And there's some wonderful gems here for you this week to push that trophy and achievement score through the roof. I'm going to start off with a new release as of day of recording. In fact, it releases today. It is the Arrog, A-R-R-O-G. It is a mobile game that's been ported across to the PlayStation. It does have a plat and two stacks, EU and NA. Look, it's a surrealist African-esque adventure, I suppose you could say. It has some very light puzzle elements in it as well. You're looking at about a 20 to 30 minute experience with no skipping required. There's some interesting sound design and a couple of funnish, easy though, music puzzles. It might be an idea to wear some headphones for this one, but two easy quick platinums waiting for you. Those people that do the brick breakers, they're back again. Space break head to head. Protect your wallets. The EU and NA stack ranging anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes for the plat. Have your second controller ready to keep that time down. The third one I have for you this week, I have not played it yet, but I've heard all about it. Caves and Castles Underworld, an NA and EU stack for two plats. It is by the, the publishing and developer house Victory Road. They've changed their name recently. This is their first endeavor, but as we know with Victory Road, they've kept in the cheat code that works for all those games. This will involve, I believe, skipping the puzzles or something like this. Look, it's a couple of hour plat at the most, or a thousand G on the Xbox. A bit of a quality spammer perhaps next is Tohu, T-O-H-U. It's flown under the radar a little bit from the other week. It is a point and click game that can be done in two hours or so with a guide. There are some wonderful video guides, including I've seen former guest Overhyped Gaming. It's all about fish worlds or fish planets or something. So why don't you play it and tell me what it's like. Finally, the Distraint and Distraint 2, the Japanese stacks hit for the PS4. Now, this is an interesting one that I look, I'm going to play pretty soon, I think. It is the Flatland Prologue and Flatland. The Prologue, both well, both of these have a plat. The Prologue probably coming in very short, and I believe something like 20 to 30 minutes maximum. It's also only like $2 Australian, so they're basically probably giving it away for free over there in the UK and America. Now, the full Flatland game, I think you can be platted in around an hour. I'm not sure if you need a guide or, or what it is. It looks literally... 
literally like a cube type sort of puzzler or something. So maybe you'll need some spatial awareness for this, but look how hard could it really be? And the final one I have for you today, look, it's a little bit overpriced at this stage, so maybe put it on the queue and wait for it to come down a little bit if you're only in it for the trophies. Of course, if you're in it for the game, perhaps the price is right. It is Renzo Racer. It's only a 100% game, and it comes in at around 90 minutes to two hours. Basically, it just requires you to win each sort of event as you go through. I haven't played it yet, but it's on my list for some time in there's plenty there to push that gamer score or platinum score up through the roof. I hope you find something great. And if you find something I don't know, please tell me. Wow, that's pretty chilled out. I think we can work with this. Sort of feels like we're back in the 70s. I wonder how many of you would have been alive in the 70s. <laughs> Maybe one for the parents. Look, if you want a shout out, you know how to do it. Let's jump in. We'll start today with James Gunner 180, his number 353rd platinum, Timber Tennis Versus. All the online trophies can be done in 30 minutes if you boost with a partner. Grind to 5,000 coins was a strain, but listen to some of your podcasts to lessen the pain. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Save to cloud before buying anything, and this can be done in around 12 hours. Zuche, number 60, Batman Arkham Asylum, number 61, Sound Shapes. It's wonderful, sir, to see someone doing that game without the auto pop. Congratulations. Number 62, Oceanhorn Monster of Uncharted Seas. Ah, the Zelda ripoff for the Vita. Wonderful. Oh, I think also for the PS4 too. I hear it's quite good though, sir. Congratulations. MZ, number 26, Mafia 2 PS3. Wow, I think you've done the PS4 version already. So you've gone back to the PS3. That's wonderful to see you're bashing through the backlog. Well, technically, I'm told the PS3 version and the PS4 version look basically the same. So I suppose I suppose you're at home there. Wonderful, wonderful. Zador VP. He's got a few here this week, listeners. Number 42 and... Oh, what am I saying? Number 482 and 483. It's been a long time since you're at 42, sir. Hitman 3, PS5 and PS4. He's back here stacking these massive AAA games. I love it. Great ending to the trilogy of Hitman games with some exciting new settings and inventive kill methods. I particularly liked the Agatha Christie-esque Dartmoor setting as well as the final level of the game. Got to start this a lot later than most people due to the server issues that affected a part of the player base, preventing me from going online and thus preventing me from earning trophies. The transfer feature allowed me to auto-pop all the previous Hitman 1 and 2 trophies with the exception of the score and rank-based sniper assassin trophies which had to be redone. The PS4 version was auto-popped once I finished the PS5 version. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? If you're getting all those Hitman 1 and 2 trophies. Of course, what is not such a great deal is if, that if you haven't done Hitman 1 and 2 and you don't own it, then you're going to have to buy all of those to get, I believe, your baseless platinum. It's really, it's really strange. It's funny, sir, because I've been thinking about starting this third game, but I didn't like the second one and I don't like stealth. So I think it's a mistake, but 
I don't know. It's it's attractive. It's an attractive idea, and everyone says it's amazing. So I don't know. I don't know. We we shall see. I suppose. But congratulations. It's wonderful. I know you're a big fan of that series. I believe it's the ending of the series, and I understand they're now moving on to James Bond. So I I think it's you're getting a pretty good deal still. Number four hundred and eighty-four. The Dark Eye. Chains of Satanav. PS4. <laughs> Chains of Satnav. It, it almost sounds like a GPS system. Look, I'm sorry. I'll stop this. Uh, we'll be serious. It's PS4 EU. First part... Oh, I wonder if there's two stacks. Maybe. First part of the point-and-click games made by Daedalic Entertainment set in the Dark Eye universe. Pretty good and quick platinum, but there is one trophy that does not unlock when it's supposed to. But it does unlock, nevertheless, later on in the mandatory second playthrough. That's wonderful. So I'd never heard of this game until you mentioned it. So I'll, I'll put that on my radar for the future. Rena, back with a, a, a massively difficult game, I'm sure. Number 79, IL-2, Stormovic. Isn't that dreadful Russian? Like, I assume that's Russian. Sorry, sir. Birds of Prey. The game... Uh, the same guys who made Birds of Steel just on steroids. Hundreds of MP matches. Unlock all planes, all weapons. Complete a mission with every plane. Complete 100 missions alone with the IL-2 plane itself. And not to mention, finish the campaign on the hardest difficulty, Simulator difficulty. Great game, though. <laughs> 10 out of 10. We, we have such different tastes in what makes a game great, sir. But look, I love that you've played this. I don't know what the ultra-rare percentage is. Probably like 0.000 or maybe a negative percentage if they got to that now. I'm not sure. But congratulations. It sounds like a beast of a game. And I'm sure... I'm sure... Well, I don't know. It would be fascinating for you to reach out and tell us. Do you get like a sense of achievement? Do you get a sense of rush when you push the uninstall or the delete button at the end of these games? Do you just smash the disc in half? I don't know. Or, or maybe, you know, it's a... Maybe it's a sense of sadness, I suppose. You, these games must take a, a massive amount of time and skill. Reach out and, and let me know. Best Trophy Hunter Ever CSO, number 591, UFC 3. Aha, that's right. This is this quote. Look, I don't know if this quote's legit or not. I assume it is. That the sport is crazy enough. But if it's not, or if it is, you can, you can thank Scottish Noob for this one. Frank Mir. MIR, uh, had a horseshoe shoved up his ass as I told him that a year ago I pulled the bitch out and I beat him over the head with it. Famous quote by Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I reckon I've seen that in a movie, but there's no way that was a UFC movie, and I'm pretty sure you probably have not seen that movie, so, but if you want to, I could always send it to you. It might open your eyes. Look, it might even change your life perspective for the next part of it. Who knows? Who knows? Ed the Shed 2014. It's just a wall of spam. I love your list, Mr. Shed, because, it, look, it reminds me of looking at my profile. We, we, could, we could just switch. I think if no, neither of us would notice the difference. Number 169, The Pillar Puzzle Escape EU. Number 173, A Hero and a Garden. Number 177, Space Break EU. Number 178 and 179, Vera Blanc, Ghost in the Castle EU and NA Stack. Number 180, Donut County EU. And number 181, Energy Cycle Edge PS4 EU. I do notice there's a couple of gaps there. So perhaps those gaps where you're doing like Red Dead 
Red Redemption 2 and the God of Wars and all these things. So, you know, I'll cut you some slack there. But if if not, if you're if you're putting more spam in there and you're worried about, you know, putting it into the show, please don't. You know, I, I can't over spam. We can't over spam here, I don't think. Now I did forget to drop this one in earlier. It's another one from Zador VP. It's number 485, The Dark Eye Memoria. A second part of the point-and-click games made by Dadalic Entertainment set in the Dark Eye universe, this time featuring more than one playable character and more than one time setting. So it looks like two parts of that, that game are out. I assume two different Platinums as well. So there you go. Get it, get amongst it. Vigilant Crow, number 46, Blooms TD5. Pretty standard tower defense game. A bit time-consuming to finish every map on every difficulty, but an easy Platinum overall. Yeah, I've heard a few people say this game is really good, like massively grindy and, and time commitment-wise, but it's actually quite fun. I don't know. I don't know. Tower defense. Maybe. Maybe. We shall We shall see. We have a new poster here today. Hello, sir. I hope you are well. Reaper Veteran 86, number 174, Uncharted The Lost Legacy. It's good. Look, I, didn't, I enjoyed it. Not enough to stick around for the platinum, but enough to finish the story. I really enjoyed it. I hope you... I hope as well sir and our final poster for today here's a, a returning guest on push to plat of course the wonderful i yield to no one a host of the trophy horse podcast he's finally done it it's a massive one it's a perfect one to finish the show up on number 113 ghosts of tsushima and his 46th ps4 platinum it's impressive sir congratulations well that brings us to the end of another week listeners stay safe be well, keep smashing those Chivos, those Platinums and that trophy score. I hope you find a hidden gem or two of your own and I'll catch you next week. Push to Plat podcasts are conceived, written and edited by CJ Anderson in Adobe Audition, video editing in Filmora 9, music licensing by artist IO. Push to Plat would like to thank all our Patreon supporters with special mention to our Patreon producers Zador VP, Redbeard Rick, Ready to Ebag, MZ Nitro, Diego and T-Bird. Without your support, this show would cease to exist. If you would like to say hi, jump into the Discord in the show notes or on Twitter at Push to Plat. If you're interested in supporting the show, then jump on Patreon, the Push to Plat Patreon, where you can find more information on how to support us and allow us to continue to bring wonderful guests and topics from around the world. 